Good morning. Welcome to Shorts with Tara and Jill. Hi, Tara. Hi, Jill. I thought you almost forgot the name of our podcast. I did did almost. (laughs) Today on Dresses with Tara. (laughs) Today we're going to talk about bras. (laughs) Bras with Tara and Jill. (laughs) Um, So, Tara, I have a confession to make. This is so uncomfortable, but I am, I have been obsessed with this channel on YouTube and I can't stop listening to this. I have it on in the background. I'm really trying not to like watch it because seriously, I would get nothing else done, but you know, the Amber Heard, Donnie, a Johnny Depp trial. So there's this, um, I may have told you about this. There's this attorney. Her name is Emily D. Baker. And I heard about her on some other podcast and I kind of clicked, I listened to her and I thought she was very smart and I sort of clicked through to her YouTube and she does live coverage of the hearings. So these hearings are going on like every single day. It's like eight hours a day and it's just witness after witness after witness and it's public so anyone can see it. And so she's live streaming it and she's commenting on it at the same time. I'm obsessed. Like it's like watching a live soap opera it's, I really have to stop. Like, I really, I feel like at some point, thank God, I think today is like the end of one of the testimonies. And I've also learned so much about this whole process. Like each side has a certain amount of hours that they can use up. And once they've used up those hours, that's it. Like they can't bring any more witnesses. They can't cross, cross examine, whatever. And so Anyways, but it's a sickness, Tara. I have to like, I I listen to it on my walks. I literally have it like playing on my phone and I can't look at anything else on my phone because if you switch off of YouTube, then it stops. So yeah. Is she like a criminal defense attorney? What is her, I mean, does she understand, she must understand the legal aspect of all of this if she's making commentary on it. She definitely understands it. I mean, I who I wouldn't know because I don't understand. I, I never, I don't know anything about it. But she seems like she knows her shit. And she, I don't know what her. I know she was like a court reporter at one point, and she was. She has a TED talk about how she became a lawyer. Um, but I don't know what kind of lawyer she's trained as. Um, but it's pretty fascinating, and like all these people are sponsor like sponsoring her her channel and it's just and chatting and it's crazy I, I I'm very sad when like there's nothing going on in court on a given day and she's not talking <laughs> well, you know my sister-in-law she was here this weekend because my nephew graduated from BC and she's obsessed with the trial she's my um brother-in-law was like I can't deal with her she is so obsessed okay you and, have and- to tell her about Emily D Baker I was trying, I was starting, I didn't know her name, but now I'm going to tell her because I was saying that you had told me this and she's like obsessed. It's yeah. funny. I wonder what's the obsession with it. Is it just because, you it's know, it's, well, it's a little bit of like watching a train wreck, right? Yeah. But I mean, you know, he's always kind of in a train. They both have always yeah. sort of been a train wreck, but it's not, I'm not actually that fascinated by the content of the trial. Like I actually don't care that much about what is going on. It's more, it's more her analysis of it and it's like her commentary on it. And then it's also, I'm fascinated by some of the like analytical tools that some of the witnesses use. So like they did this whole correlation between 
twit um hashtags on Twitter, like to try to prove that Johnny Depp um defamed or, or sorry, Amber Heard defamed Johnny Depp in a particular article. And so they they looked at when the article came out and then they looked at all of the tweets and all the hashtags and they looked at the positive hashtags and the negative hashtags towards Amber and they and they did all of this analysis. Like it's just amazing how the depths <laughs> the, the lengths that they go to to do all this stuff. And it's also such a fucking colossal waste of time. It is the whole thing is such, it's waste so many people's time. It's just such, mine included. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not alone. So if that makes you feel better. <laughs> Anyways, but we have to wrap this up really quick because I got to get back to it. It starts really soon. Okay, I think right, testimony started 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Well, today let's. I wanted to talk about you know launching a brand. Um, I've had you know I've been I know a couple people who I've worked with who have launched their brand or like literally waiting to launch their brand because their product hasn't come through. And so you know, Jill, it made me just kind of think like like what's the process when you launch a brand and like when do you do it? Should you wait to have all your inventory? I mean, what is your thought process on if somebody were to come to you and say, listen, I have this brand. It's, I want to launch it. I mean, what, what's going on? Are you talking specifically about like a clothing brand? Well, maybe just clothing. Cause that's all that, that I've been exposed to lately. So maybe yes. Yeah. So clothing has, I think has unique issues because of the seasonality. So like you can't, you know, you're not going to launch, you're not going to launch sweaters in the spring or the summer. So it's, I think there's a lot of like planning ahead. And I know you and I have a a common friend who has a a swimsuit company and that is very specific to one season. I mean, there's obviously like resort and vacations and stuff, but probably the bulk of her sales is during the summer, I would think. Um, So, I mean, I think it's it's just about like doing some really good planning and factoring in potential hiccups. So that's where people get stuck a little bit is with hiccups. For example, if they can't get the supply they need, and I've seen this like over and over in the past several years because of the pandemic, they just cannot get the samples to to, to evaluate them. They can't get you know what they need to build the the brand and build out a collection and then they end up like not synced with the market. So they end up getting the inventory, but it's the wrong time of year and it's the wrong style for next year. So it's, you get a little screwed up. So I think the best, and in this day and age, I think the best thing to do is to plan, um, plan it out, but plan in a lot of buffer time for things going wrong. And when you launch a brand, I mean, should it be, should you spend a ton on marketing when you're doing this? So is that like your big push out? I I guess I'm wondering, because it's one of these things like, do you put it all into this like huge, like push out, but then you try to sell? Like, how does that work? Am I making sense a little bit? Yeah. So like with any new product that you launch, and I could talk for a very long time about this, so I'll try to keep it short, but for any new product or new company launch, you want to start off with what's called an MVP. And we've talked about this before, minimum viable product, which comes from the software world, but it applies to anything. And basically your first version of whatever you're coming out with 
is not going to be where you end up for sure. So you want to spend the least amount of money to come up with something that represents your vision that you can get feedback on and tweak. And so that's that small amount of money would go into both, you know, product development. It could also go into marketing, but you want to be careful with marketing because you probably have a limited quantity to start off with and you want to make sure you get feedback. So I think that people should plan for the first kind of foray into the market being a money loser for sure, because you're going to spend money to create a small collection or small, a few things, and then you're going to go out and try to get feedback. And then the next, then you'll incorporate that feedback into a bigger launch, but you're getting feedback, not only on like the, what the, how the product looks and feels and fits and whatever, but it's also on the branding, right? Like maybe, you know, Jill swimsuits is a terrible, sorry, Jill, meaning me, <laughs> Jill. Jill Cravet swimsuits is not a good brand name, you know, like maybe and not a good message behind it. Maybe people don't want to buy swimsuits from someone who's like me. Um, so it's really like thinking through the it's it's thinking it's getting feedback on the entire business plan, basically. And that's kind of your first little bit, maybe three to six months of being in the market is going to be getting that feedback. And do you think that a lot of people kind of do it wrong and I don't mean that to be negative but do you think some people just approach it the wrong way where they put too much money up front for these things for maybe in not the right places and then maybe that's why they don't succeed I just want people to maybe understand like what not to do so I think there's two pitfalls so one is that what you just said that you just you pour everything into your first foray and you think because you and your mom and your sister love this thing and your best friend love this thing that everyone else is going to love it. And so that's, that's pitfall number one. Pitfall number two is not actually spending enough. So it's a tricky balance. Um, I think a lot of what I've experienced, and this has happened in businesses that I've started as well, is you sort of start off and all of a sudden, you know, you launch and everyone you know is so supportive and they pour everything into it for you. They're, they're sharing, they're everything. So you've got all this amazing organic support with, without paying anything. And you think you are off to the races. You think like, oh my God, I am going to be, you know, in the New York Fashion Week like next year. And what ends up happening is that that was like a little bit of a honeymoon. So you have all of your best friends, and then they get bored of it and they move on. They don't want to keep, you know, pushing your stuff. So then you have to start spending money, but it, 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 it would behoove you to start a little bit earlier before you realize that you've now like kind of lost some ground. So I think it's a, it's a very, very tough balance, but that's why I would say you spend the least amount possible, but you find a few places to place some bets. So you find, you know what, I'm going to take a flyer and I'm going to sign up for this, you know, trade show, or I'm going to, you know, you sort of come up with like a few areas where you're going to focus a little bit more spending. I think that's really helpful. You know, I do remember not with my own business when I first launched my business, clearly my kids were in preschool. So there was a target market in my hands, basically. And I remember when that when you go through that, right, that dries up. It, it's only so many mothers, cousins, sisters, friends that I could style that I was obviously you're concerned, like, is this going to sustain itself? After all of these people, 
you know, have, um, have used me. Right. Which is, it sometimes is the problem you see with trunk show businesses because, you know, they go around if they have, and they, they have these house parties and you sell products to your friends, but how many of the same thing can you buy? Like you can't, you know, I have some, a friend of mine who does beauty counter and like, I bought a few things, but then like, I just, I, and I know when there's an invite to go to an event or whatever, I know what it is. And it's like, how many times can you tap into the, your same friends for business? And I think you, you have to be able to think more broadly than that. Right. And I, and luckily, knock on wood, I did. Because, you know, you have to think strategically, even if it, like, I was doing things that I didn't know if they were going to pan out, but they did. But I think that that's what you have to do. Because I knew that that, that was going to end, because it could only go so far. Yeah. And you are really good at putting yourself out there. And I think one of the things that you did really well is you took that initial, you know, set of business, whether it was, it was styling or whether it was doing photo shoots or um, even at the beginning, like closet cleanouts. And you took those and those are, even though those are your friends, those were still really good experience. And you took those and leveraged them to go out to an unknown, more of an unknown audience and spread out a little bit, which I think is important. True. Thank you. Getting your feedback is really important. <laughs> no, it really is. I don't mean it like that. But um, anyways, well, thank you, Jill. I I was I'm fascinated by the, this whole launch because I've seen I've seen people do it, and I don't have any desire. That's not my desire. But I'm just curious to like you know. Obviously, it's best to have an advisor or to work with somebody who knows like you because you could end up in like you know not a great situation when you have a a wonderful product. If you could launch any any product, Tara, what would it be? Oh, you know, I pro I mean, I would do a clothing line. I don't know if it would be one s specific thing, but it would be felt. <laughs> they were teasing me. I know we had to go, but they were teasing me on Nantucket about that one belt, and I was like, "You guys!" But what I did was show everybody that you could literally wear that one belt twenty seven different ways. But if you just imagine that belt, you're right. If you just see, you could wear it around the schmata thing that I bought from Grayson. <laughs> but if you just imagine that belt with a TW instead of a V for Valentino, I mean, there you go. <laughs> All right. So when I launched my belt line <laughs> with the studs, like with, remember back in the day, the totally. 80s? They yes. would like wrap them around your waist like 72 times with all the studs. We should bring that back. Mm -hmm. I think you should bring, I think you should make um, belts that are fashionable for sure and are infinitely adjustable. Yeah. Well, that's true. Or should it just come with a hole puncher? It could come with a hole puncher, like a special, like bedazzled, engraved. Yeah. Like that you get, you buy a belt, you get that. And then you, you know, you can gain or lose as much weight as you want. Cause you could just poke the whole. <laughs> exactly. Don't joke. Yeah. Seriously. All right. Well, thank you, Jill. Thank you. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. We would love to answer any of your questions on future episodes of shorts. Bermuda shorts, jean shorts, short shorts, boy shorts, tennis shorts, cargo shorts, pleated shorts, running shorts, board shorts.